2: ist abgenommen
3: bedauert frequency. Queen <laughs>
4: In the interest of a safer American home, a happier American community, a more united state, the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations bring you Ellery Queen.
5: I dedicate this program to the fight against crime. Not only crimes of violence and crimes of dishonesty, but also crimes of intolerance, discrimination, and bad citizenship. Crimes against America. The American Broadcasting Company presents another case in the career of Ellery Queen, celebrated fighter of crime. As usual, Ellery invites you to match wits with him as he relates the mystery. And before revealing the solution, he gives you a chance to solve it. Tonight, Ellery's guest armchair detective, who will represent you home armchair detectives, is the famous columnist of Daily Variety, Miss Flora Bell Muir. And now, here's Ellery Queen, your host for the next half hour. Thank you, Paul Masterson, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight's case is much more Nicky's than mine. I urge everyone interested in the problem of juvenile delinquency to listen to... The Three Frogs. All right, Nicky, so you decided to find a new apartment, but did you have to pick the east side, the slums? Around this corner, Ellery. Garbage tossed out the front windows, gangs of young hoodlums...
4: Nicky, do you know what the incidence of crime is in this neighborhood? (laughs) Well, for the love of...
5: That three-story and basement brownstone over there, Ellery. (laughs) Take it back, Mr. Q. Oh, in space. (laughs) (laughs) Around the corner and... It's a very nice street. Nothing wrong with the house, either. Are you sure the place isn't haunted? There must be something wrong with it. I'd like to see the ghost who could make me move. <laughs> 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 Thanks, sorry. Oh, wait, Nicky. I'll go up with you. I'd like to see that apartment. Nothing doing. you wait till I fix it up. Well, all right. See you tomorrow, Nicky. Night, Ellery. Night. Good evening. Oh, good evening. I believe we're neighbors. My name is Stankman, Clyde Stankman.
2: Oh, yes, you're on the floor above me, Mr. Stankman. My name is Nicky Porter.
5: How do you do? No, no, allow me, Miss Porter. Oh, thank you. You know, young women really shouldn't live in this neighborhood. Why not, Mr. Stankman? Too much crime. There was just a... Thing. Oh, Mr. Gazelle. What's wrong, monsieur? Uh, Miss Porter, Mr. Gazelle, top floor. Hello, Mr. Gazelle. Enchanté, monsieur. Monsieur Stankman. Did you hear? Mr. Gazot was reporting the UN for a Paris paper, Miss Porter. Yes. How thrilling. Uh, no, no, Mademoiselle. Very dull. I'd much rather report your crime news. Uh, Monsieur, did you hear on the radio? That street fight two blocks away? Oh, and... no. Yes, Gazot. I've just been over there. Bad. Then it is where I'm going. Pardon, Mademoiselle. Oh, certainly. Hello. Oh, was anybody hurt, Mr. Stank? Yes. Gang of hoodlums, mere boys, started... It. Oh, dear. Well, I'll be saying good night. Good night, Mr. Stankton. Good night, Miss Porter.
6: Now, where was that light switch again?
7: Oh. What? Yeah, this is a real rod, sister, so don't get no ideas.
5: What are you doing in my apartment? I was in a fight. I'm on the lam from the lousy cop's. Aren't you a little young to be afraid of policemen? How old are you? Stay where
8: you are. Fourteen and no cracks.
5: Fourteen. And what's your name? Frankie Clough. And you're going to hide me out, sister. I'll... I'll... You're bleeding. Uh, uh... Still, Frankie.
3: Uh, uh. Uh, 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 I know
5: it hurts, but I've got to wash some of this blood away, Frankie. Uh, uh, it's <laughs> no use fumbling around for your artillery. I've hidden it. You Oh it's uh, uh, a trap. Sister, you call the cops and I'll Who's that? Yes? Who's there? Police. Cops? You called them. You be quiet. I told you, Sergeant. This is Nikki's
3: new
5: apartment. Ellery. Nikki, it's Ellery. Come on, open. I'm getting out of here. I'm... Oh, oh, oh. You're staying right here, Frankie, and keep your mouth shut. Coming, Halloween. Well, if it isn't E.Q. and Sergeant Veely. Fine time for a visit. What's up? All hallelujahs broke loose over on Stucker Street, Miss Porter. I was on my way home and I ran into the thick of it. And uh, Veely here. Yeah, somebody in the back uh, thought he saw a kid duck into the alley behind this house, Miss P. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't be in your apartment, would he, Nicky? A boy? Who is he? What'd he do? Well, frankly, he's done a great deal, Nicky. He's one of the ringleaders of a juvenile gang who call themselves the Frogs. This kid is known as the Bubblegum Kid. The Frogs pulled a big job tonight, then apparently got into a fight Over the division of the spoils. Well, what's going to happen to this boy if he's caught? What's going to happen to him? He's going to get what's coming to him, and that's plenty. Juvenile court, and probably the reformatory. That's going to cure him, won't it? I know, Nicky. It's a tough problem. But what are we standing here in the hall for? As long as I'm here, Nicky. Not till the place is fixed up. Why, Nicky? You will have me thinking you've got that young hoodlum in there. Oh, go on away. <laughs> Come on, Sergeant. All right.
6: Good night, Miss Porter.
4: Good
5: night, Sergeant. Good night, Nicky. Good night, Ellery. Well, Frankie, you still think this is a trap? I, I don't get it.
8: Hey, lady, what are you doing?
5: You're going to bed. I'm stay bed. Hotel. You're gonna undress me? Well, you can't go to bed with your clothes on. What?
7: I'll undress myself.
5: All right, Frankie, but be very careful. Well, uh, you gonna stay in the room?
3: No, Frankie.
5: Just wear my pajamas. Put on a dame's pajamas, no soap. Put this on, Frankie, Here, i put it on for you. All uh, right. Okay, okay. I'll be right back. Hey, where are you going? For well, the doctor who lives on the ground floor. No! No, I don't get no doctor! And then, Frankie, you and I, as I have a little talk. <coughs>
6: Old you're, you're killing me, Doc.
5: This, this is going to hurt. Dr. Cuddle,
6: isn't that an awfully
5: nasty wound? Yes, lost a lot of blood. But I wouldn't uh, worry, Miss Porter. <laughs> These slum boys are tough.
2: Well, Frankie's no slum product, Doctor. He's my
7: uh, nephew.
5: Really? Oh. Uh, how did you get this knife wound, Frankie?
7: That's not from a knife. I, I was climbing a, a fence with glass on top. Cutting me all up.
5: Oh, I see. Uh, He mustn't be moved, Miss Porter, and that wound has to be watched. Ah, I'll be okay. Let me alone. I'll watch it, Dr. Coyle. I've had some nursing experience. Good, good. There, young man. How does that dressing feel? Oh, great. Should be changed every 12 hours, Miss Porter, and uh, watch his temperature.
6: Yes, Doctor. What do I owe you?
5: Well, since we're neighbors, Miss Porter, I'll uh, I'll send you a bill. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll take a look in on him tomorrow. Good night.
7: Good night, Doctor, and thank you. Well, that's
5: over. Feel better?
8: Ah, he made me nervous. Hey, what are you doing? Just tucking you in.
7: Ah, that little guy don't look like no real doctor anyway. He looks more like a a toad
5: all hunched over. Frankie, we don't talk about other people's physical defects. Not Dr. Cordell's fault that he has a hunchback. And it's to his credit that he was able to overcome his handicap. Handicap? Everyone has some handicap to overcome. Some of us have to overcome the way we started out in life. Like me and me. I'm doing okay. There you are. Frankie, I think we ought to let your father and mother know where you are, don't you? My, my who? <laughs> hey, what do you
8: think I am, a Boy Scout?
5: No, Frankie, I don't think you're a Boy Scout. You're not man enough to beat one. Say, listen, baby. The name is Miss Porter, Frankie. Don't you have any parents? Ah, Sure. My old man's doing a stretch and stir, and my old lady,
7: I... I don't know where she is. Ain't seen her for two years. I see. Then where do you live, Frankie? Oh, around. We frogs got a clubhouse, kind of. I sleep there on the floor most of the time. Hey, this bed is the nuts. Frog? Yeah, my gang. The big shot who organized it calls himself the Frog, and what... Yes, Frankie? Go on, I'm interested. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh... I... I made it all up. Yeah. Hey, um, where are you going to sleep? In my bedroom there. Now, you better get some rest. Uh, wait a second. Why are you doing all this for me? What's your angle? Angle? <laughs> Frankie, not everyone has an angle. Oh, no. I suppose you're doing this because you like me, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's one reason. Huh? Huh?
5: Another is that everybody talks about helping boys like you, but very few actually do.
7: Nobody's got to do nothing for me. Frankie,
5: uh, I'd like you to talk to that man who was here a while ago. The one I called Ellery.
7: Yeah? Well, for? Who is he? Ellery Queen. Ellery Queen? That cop loving... I knew this was a trap. Frankie, no. I want to have let go of <laughs> No, Frankie, go. I'm <laughs> so bushed I can't even get away from a lousy... Hey. You're staying right here till you get well. This queen will stick the cops on me. No, Frankie, he'll help you. This old man's a cop. He's got cop blood. I hate every lousy cop that ever was... Frankie,
5: suppose... Suppose I promise not to tell Mr. <sighs> queen about you till you say the word. How's that?
7: I... Okay, okay. It's a deal. Now, I'm going to turn the light off. Say, ba- uh Miss Porter. Yes, Frankie? I... I'm sorry, I
6: called you lobby dame.
8: night. Good night, Frankie.
5: got to find that bubblegum kid. We've got to. Yeah, Inspector. No, Dad. Take it easy.
7: Inspector, why is this boy so
5: important? Because, Nicky, I think he knows who the frog is. The adult who organized the kid gang and directs their operations. Oh, you make him talk, Inspector? We've got to break the back of this gang. Billy, The boy's hiding out around Stocker Street somewhere. You get down there and don't come back till you find him. Yes, sir. Let's
6: see. I think we've been trying to do. find him.
5: Go on, you two. Go home. Inspector. What, Nicky? Why do these boys hate policemen, so? Because they're on the street and they figure the officers there to spoil their fun, Nicky. Fear, Nicky. Hate is made by fear. Any cop worth his salt knows he's got to sell the kids on the idea that he's their friend. Which he is. They learn to obey the rules the way they've got to when they grow up. Look at the way they have to grow up, Inspector. I know, Nicky. But after all, we're only cops. We can't change social conditions. That's the job for everybody. And i got a report to the boss. All right. Night, Infectious. Night, Dad. Well... Nikki, why this sudden interest in slim kids? Oh, just generally. Ellie, I've got to get on home. Oh, hands. sure, I'll take you. Don't bother. No bother at all. I'd like to. Come on. Ellie, no. What's the matter, Nikki? Isn't your apartment fixed up yet? Oh, well, not entirely. I... Or don't you want me to see the boy you're hiding out? How'd you know? <laughs> I didn't. You just told me. Ellery, he's only 14 years old. His father's in prison and his mother's... Nicky, a... the boy's broken the law. I know, but Ellery, he's just a child and he's hurt. Oh. But, Nicky, if he can put the finger on this man they call the frog. Frank, and... he doesn't know who he is. Ellery, he doesn't. Nicky, he I might. tell you, he doesn't. He sends them messages. They've never seen him. That's what Frankie says and I believe him. But even if he's lying to turn him over to the police now... Ellery, I want to show him that not everyone's an enemy, that there are decent people in this world. People who... We'll give
6: him what he's never had—love—and I'm doing it, Ellery. I'm getting somewhere. He's,
7: he's fighting me, but he's losing. Let me have him for just a little while longer, won't you? Please, please.
5: Nikki, if Dad ever finds out about this, you'll have to hide me out too. <laughs>
7: Yourself in the mirror, Frankie. <whistles> oh, am I sharp? <laughs> the suit must have set you back plenty of mood. Oh, never mind that. You're sure you feel well enough, Frankie? Ah,
5: in the pink, in the pink. Then come on. Well, where are we going? What's the mystery? Well, Frankie. Come well, Good evening, Miss Porter. Oh, hello. And this is the nephew, Miss Porter? Uh, yes, Mr. Guzzle. This is Frankie. Very nice looking boy. Hello. Hiya. Hello. And Mr. Stankton. Mr. Who? This boy looks familiar to me. Let's get a move on, huh, Aunt Nikki? Oh, yes, Frankie.
6: Nice to see you both. Good evening, Mister. Very familiar. Uh, Here you are. Why, Frankie, you remember the door. Thank you. Ah.
7: Say, Aunt Nikki, who's that little Frenchman? What's his racket? Why, little Mr. Gazelle is a reporter
5: for a French newspaper.
7: Oh. And, um, who is that great big tall old guy?
5: Mr. Tanklin, Another neighbor, apartment over mine. They say he has a strong box full of
7: bonds and his...
6: Yeah? Well,
7: Nothing. Well, well, Nothing,
5: Frankie.
7: You scared I'd crack his box, swipe the bonds? Would you? You wouldn't like it, would you? No, Frankie, I wouldn't. <laughs> That's what I thought. Ah, stealing is for suckers. Say, where are we going at, Nikki? To the subway to Brooklyn. Brooklyn? I have a niece there, Frankie. She's in Junior High. I want you two to meet. A girl? I'm nothing doing. I think, Frankie, you'll find Ivy a little different from the girls you've known. Oh. Not a tough babe, huh? <laughs> no, Frankie. I thought maybe you'd like to take Ivy and me out to movies tonight. She's terribly anxious to meet you. She is?
5: Huh. Sounds
7: okay? Yeah. i not so bad. Hey, could you uh, let me have a dime? Sure, Frankie, what forward I, uh, I feel like I'd like to have some bubble come.
6: <laughs> oh, you walk so fast, Frankie. i yes,
7: sit down here on the stoop my breath. But why Ooh. won't you tell me what Ivy said, Aunt Nikki? He might get a swelled head. You mm, mean she liked me? If she couldn't get over you being only fourteen. Of course, Ivy goes for the tall, lanky type anyway. Oh, what'd she say? What'd
5: she say? She said you look and act like a great big man. At least 17. You're kidding. No. How'd you like her, Frankie?
3: Oh,
6: oh she's solid. I,
5: I never met a girl like that before.
7: Say, Aunt Nikki. Yes, dear? How, how soon can you fix it for me to meet Mr. Queen? Frankie. I just wanted... Hey, hey, you kissed me. Here, Frankie, take Mikey, Go into the house. Wait for me. Where are you going, Annie? The phone, Ellery. So I ran over to the drugstore to call you.
3: Ellery
6: is so wonderful. I won. I (laughs) won.
7: Good stuff. Oh, he has, Ellery. He just never had a chance before, that's all. Ellery, couldn't we send him away to school? I'd pay my share. I, I can't swing it all along. Well, I want to talk to him first, Nicky. Oh, well, of course. As-, as a
6: matter of fact, I was just coming over to your place anyway
5: with Dad. With the inspector. With the inspector. Ellery, what's in the matter? Something's wrong. Does he know about, about Frank? No, no.
6: It's something else. Dad, talk to Nicky. All right, sir. Uh, uh, Nicky. What is it, Inspector? Really just came up with a report. The sergeant? Sergeant. Uh, you know this fagan calls himself the frog who runs
3: that kid gang? Yes.
6: Well, I just got one of the kids to open up. Uh, he don't know who the frog is, but he does know where he lives. Where, Sergeant? In your house, Miss Porter. My house? Yeah, in one of those apartments, Annie. Really? Jimmy. Well, I'm okay. Oh, Vicky, you'd better not go back there. There may be fireworks, uh, understand? Yes, sir. Uh, don't hang up. Oh, oh, okay, son. Really, come on. Vicky. Yes, sir. Why? Yes, Take him to the Y, Nicky. Park him there and come back, quick, before we get there. Right.
7: <laughs> Mr. Garfield, Dr. Cordle. Oh, here's Miss
6: Porter. And then this. Oh, what's the matter? Na- Frankie! Frankie! He's hurt, he's bleeding, it's his head, Doctor.
5: Mr. Gazo just called me, Miss Porter. I just got here. Mr.
6: Gazo? I was going out for a newspaper, ma'am. I stumbled over your nephew. He was lying here in the hall, bleeding, unconscious. Doctor, uh, how is he?
5: Oh, bad blow on the head. Doesn't seem to be concussive, but uh, Mr. Gato.
6: let me lift him. He's so big. Yes, sir. Here, let me. Here. <laughs> hey, on, folks. You don't have to. Easy. Easy. There. <laughs> oh. Dear. <laughs> It's Mr. Stanklin, I believe. (laughs) Mr. Stanklin, what's the matter? My bonds. My life savings. My bonds. I've been robbed.
5: Nikki. Now look, Miss Porter. Don't
6: talk to me, any of you.
5: Nikki, in the first place, that boy is the bubblegum kid we've been looking for. I've been looking for.
6: When all the time she had a... I'm to... sorry, Sergeant. He was hurt. I had to give him his chance. And look what he did with it.
5: Shut up, Dealey. In the second place, we found a wad of bubble gum stuck to Stanklin's and Strongback.
6: And it's got the print of the kid's right forefinger smack on it, clear as a picture. Nicky, I'm
5: sorry. I but... suppose Frankie hit himself over the head. Yes, the three-pound scale weight we found near him with blood on it was made to order for a fake. All he had to do, Nicky, was hold it high over his head and let it drop. And his prints are on that. Fantastic. Dad. Uh, what? Uh, this could be a frame-up, you know.
2: Yes, that's what it is. It's a frame-up.
5: We now know the man whom they call the frog, the brains of the gang, lives in this house. Then he's seen Frankie here, and he's realized Nicky was rehabilitating him. He'd want to make Frankie an example so that the kids still in the gang would be held in line. So he knocks out Frankie, presses Frankie's right forefinger into the bubblegum, robs Stanklin's strongbox, and leaves the gum on the box.
6: And I'm Uncle Tom. And that's just what happened. Yeah? Didn't we find traces of bubble gum on the kid's right forefinger? Of course you did,
5: Sergeant. He was fine. Wait a minute, Nicky. Were traces of gum found anywhere else on Frankie, Dad? No, son. Just on his right forefinger. Why? I want to talk to Frankie. So do I Oh, don't get him excited, please Maybe he's still too weak Doctor Oh, hello there Frankie's not well enough to be questioned yet Is he, Dr. Cordell? Oh, I think so, Miss Porter Oh Even though the blow was directly on top of his head He's made a fine recovery Frankie Hi Frankie, I'm
7: sorry you two had to meet this way But this is Ellery Queen
5: Hi, Mr. Queen Hello, Frankie well, fella, it looks as if you're in a jam. Yeah. Yeah, they, they told me. But I didn't do it, Mr. Queen. Frankie, how'd you get that crack on the skull? Well, while Miss Porter was phoning, somebody knocked on the door. I open it, and there's nobody there. I go out in the hall, and wham. And that's all I remember. It's from behind, huh? Yeah. And somebody was laying for me, Mr. Queen. Frankie. Frank huh? Frankie. Who's the frog? I don't know. He's somebody
6: lives in this house, kid. Now, who is he? I don't know,
7: I tell you. Let me alone, you lousy... Frankie. I'm sorry, yet, Nicky. Cops are my friends, huh? Can't you see he's telling the truth? The fog is... Mr.
6: or Dr. Coddle here. I
5: beg you, boss. Well,
6: you you could be, doctor. Or oh, maybe it's all Franklin himself.
5: Stole his own bonds or something. But Frankie had nothing to do with it. I'm sorry, Nicky, but I'm going to have... A... Now, stop now. Deb... I can clear the whole thing up for you. There he goes again. I can't help that, Sergeant, but now I know who the frog is and all the rest of it. Gentlemen, you have the mystery. Now, suppose you home armchair detectives and our guest in the studio compare solutions. Nikki,
7: Certainly, Ellery. Ladies and
5: gentlemen, meet Miss Flora Muir, famous columnist of Daily Variety, the entertainment world trade publication, and also West Coast correspondent for the New York Daily News. Welcome to the armchair, Miss Muir. Well, you shouldn't have too much trouble solving this case tonight. If memory serves, you've had a great deal of experience covering criminal cases as a newspaper woman.
7: Well, Ellery, you're correct on one thing. I have had plenty of occasions to write about actual murder cases. <clears throat> but when it comes to something like your thriller tonight, well, that's another story. I'm not too much on the actual solving end of the mystery. Well, oh, you just concept. being modest, Miss Muir?
5: Now, suppose we get down to the business at hand. Tell us, who is the frog and who stole the
3: bonds?
7: I think the Frenchman is the frog because... That's the name we apply to Frenchman. He probably might have taken it for that reason.
5: I see, yes, many people do use that term. What is your reason for selecting him as the guilty party?
7: Well, he doesn't seem to have any uh, real connection anywhere. He seems to be running around interesting himself in uh, crime of one sort and another. He seems to have uh, some sort of a connection with Stangler or attempting to get acquainted with Stangler, probably to find out whether Stangler had any any bonds or not or any money.
5: Thank you very much, Flora Bellmure. We'll find out in just a moment if your solution is correct. Now, here's Paul Masterson. The economic and political upheavals this country is experiencing now
9: as a result of the war provides fertile ground for those who sow the seeds of racial and religious prejudice, either through ignorance or indifference, Many Americans these days are using
5: the old scapegoat technique of blaming all modern day difficulties on racial, religious, and other minority groups. Straighten out your friends who slander a whole group because of one petty personal dislike. Encourage respect of minority religions and races. Keep America great by promoting the racial and religious freedom that made it great. <laughs> Frankie didn't steal those bonds.
7: Frankie, see what I tell you.
5: It's purely a matter of bubble gum technique. The print of Frankie's forefinger was found on the gum stuck to the old man's strong box. Traces of gum were found on Frankie's forefinger and nowhere else. Watch your kid remove a wad of gum from his mouth. You'll find that he uses two fingers, his forefinger and his thumb. No trace of gum on Frankie's thumb. No thumbprint on the gum. Frankie never took that gum out of his mouth. Someone else did and pressed Frankie's forefinger into it. A frame up, as Nikki said.
7: Yeah. Hey, what do you think of that? It
5: looks as if we figured you all wrong, Frankie. Maybe, Bailey? Sure does. Hi, uh, it's okay. Second, who's the frog? Somebody living in this house. Now, aside from Nikki, who lives here? Dr. Cordell? The frog.
7: The frog. Hey, remember, Aunt Nikki?
5: I said the doc looked like a Frankie. It's all right. It doesn't bother me. And he's a child. But believe me, gentlemen, I'm not this man they call the frog. Hey, wait a minute.
6: Frog. The Frenchman. That's a slang word for Frenchman.
5: Yes, and as nasty a word, Sergeant, as kike, nigger, wop, polack, or any of the other insulting terms, some people use to assert their purely imaginary superiority over their fellow citizens. Oh, I didn't mean it that way, my sco. I just meant... Mentioned... Frog. Franklin. His voice. That frog in his throat. I think we can arrive at the frog by a more satisfactory route, Dad. Oh. What do we know the frog did? He struck Vili directly on the top of a head. But Frankie is tall. Dr. Cordell is small. Monsieur Gazot has been described as the little Frenchman. But what about Stanklin? A big, tall man. Only Stanklin was tall enough, of the three possibilities, to strike the top of Frankie's head. Stanklin framed Frankie. Stanklin is the fraud. I think, Vili, we'll go upstairs and interview Mr. Stanklin. Oh,
9: let me add a.
5: Thanks, Mr. Queen. Frankie, this time I didn't have to remind you. Boy, that was something. That was okay. Ellery, will he have to go to court? I mean, those other charges. I don't think we'll have much trouble in persuading the judge that Frankie deserves a chance, Nikki. He'll be put on probation in his Aunt Nikki's custody and mine.
6: <laughs> oh, Ellery.
5: Oh, gee, don't, <laughs> don't
6: start
3: bawling.
6: Wait a minute, a good I want to... Fall and so <laughs> oh, oh, now listen, please, for yeah. heaven's sake.
5: <laughs> You'll have me doing it in a minute.
6: Nikki, <laughs> will you cut
5: that out?
3: Frankie.
5: <laughs> and there, ladies and gentlemen, you have the solution to our mystery. Thank you, Miss Flora Muir, for serving as our guest armchair detective this evening. As mementos of the occasion, I have for you a copy of my latest mystery anthology, the Queen's Awards, 1947, and a subscription to Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine. Oh, Paul, and what's for next week, Ellery? Well, Paul, next week... Oh, by the way, are you interested in cards? Cards? You mean bridge, poker, and such? Well, I... Well, it isn't about cards, Paul. Even though I call it... <laughs> One Diamond. One <laughs> Diamond. This is Ellery Queen saying good night until next week and enlisting all Americans every night and every day in the fight against bad citizenship, bigotry, and discrimination. The crimes which are weakening America.
10: of a safer American home, a happier American community, a more united state, the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations bring you Ellery Queen, celebrated fighter of crime. As usual, Ellery invites you to match wits with him as he relates the mystery. And before revealing the solution, he gives you a chance to solve it. Tonight, Ellery's guest armchair detective who will represent you home armchair detectives is the popular vocalist, Miss Peggy Lee. And now, here's Ellery Queen, your host for the next half hour. Thank you, Paul Masterson, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen.
11: Tonight we meet Mr. Mark Gallows, who played a very dangerous game. I call it One Diamond. And this is...
12: Miss Eve Angel, Mr. Queen. How do you do? How do you do, Mr. Queen?
11: Won't you sit down, Miss Angel?
12: <laughs> I'd love it.
11: Uh, notes, Nicky.
12: Yes, Ellery. Is this your secretary? Yes, I'm his uh, secretary. Uh, Miss Angel, Miss Porter. Uh, How do you do? How do you do?
11: And what can I do for you, Miss Angel?
12: Mr. Queen, I've come to invite you for the weekend at the home of my employer.
11: I'm tempted to say this is so sudden. (laughs) Isn't there some mistake?
12: Oh, no. I'm sure, Mr. Queen, you've heard of Mark Gallows.
11: Mark Gallows? You work for Gallows?
12: I'm Mr. Gallows' secretary. The Gallows Diamond. What, Nikki? The Gallows
2: Diamond, Mallory. It's not been publicly displayed for... How long is it, Miss Angel? Forty or fifty
12: years. That's the Gallows. You are an efficient secretary, Miss Porter. Aren't you? I do my little best, Miss Angel. Uh, mm-hmm. But
11: I don't get this, Miss Angel. I've never met Mr. Gallows. Why should he invite me for a weekend?
12: Because I asked him to.
11: Oh, I'm to be your guest? In a way. <clears throat> what, Nikki?
12: Nothing. I Just went. <clears throat> Will you come? Yes. Goody-goody, a weekend off. Oh,
11: no, Nikki, You're coming with me.
12: For notes, Ellery?
11: Uh, yes. For notes.
12: Do come, too, Miss Porter. For notes. Friday afternoon, Mr. Queen, at the Riverdale Estates. Miss Angel. Yes?
11: Why did you ask Mr. Gallows to invite me?
12: <laughs> See you Friday. Au revoir.
11: Interesting.
2: Yes. Isn't she?
11: No, oh, no, I mean the invitation, Nikki. Of course, this is Gallows doing. Not her idea at all. Want to bet? Oh, don't be silly, Nikki. There's skullduggery involved.
2: Is Gallows the type?
11: Mark Gallows? <laughs> Don't you know anything about him, Nicky?
2: Just that he's one of the richest men in America.
11: He's a mysophobe.
2: A uh, phobe?
11: Uh, afflicted with mysophobia, Nicky. Morbid fear of dirt. Dirt? Mm-hmm. Gallows is supposed to have a gold-plated washstand in every room he commonly uses so that he can wash his hands on a second's notice.
2: Oh, you're kidding. No,
11: that's the story. Buys germicides by the gallon, picks strange objects up with a specially sterilized tissue.
2: Oh, must be rough on his wife.
11: No, fortunately, he's not married. I wonder what's behind this invitation.
2: A two-legged word spelled E-V-E.
11: Oh, no, no, Nicky. She's just bait.
2: I'll answer right away, Ellery. Oh, never
11: mind, Nicky. I'll go. Yes? Nobody here. Uh, who is
3: it?
2: Ellery, oh. oh. what was that? That sounded just like a.
12: Ellery. Sh- Ellery! <laughs>
2: No, but, Ellery, oh, you can't. What can. are you thinking of, son? Oh, he's a fool, Inspector.
13: You're not getting out of this bed, Ellery, and that's that. But I'm all
11: right, I tell
2: you. All right, with a bullet wound in your arm?
11: It's nothing, just a flesh wound. You heard the doctor. It's
2: that woman, that's what it is. Oh,
11: it's not that woman at all, Nicky. It's the whole thing.
2: You think the
13: attempt on your life is connected with the invitation, son?
11: When I'm shot at within two minutes, Dad? Of course. Somebody followed Eve Angel, guessed her purpose, and tried to rub me out. But why? To keep me from going to the gallows place this weekend, Nicky which is why I'll be there if I have to go in an ambulance.
2: And come back in a hearse. Ellery, be sensible. You're still
11: shaky, son. I'm going.
2: You're not. I won't let you, Ellery.
13: By gosh, I'm still your father, and you'll do as I say.
12: And this is the gold room, Mr. Queen.
11: Really royal, Miss Angel.
12: That is a washstand, isn't it? Oh, yes, Miss Porter. By the way, when you meet Mark... I'd suggest you don't offer to shake hands. Germs, you know. Germs.
11: I suppose we all have them. <laughs>
12: yes. Let's go out onto the terrace. I want you to meet Mark's other house guests. Sometime. Oh, I think that'd be delightful. We have a sort of international house here this weekend, Mr. Queen. Oh, really? Mark and I Americans. Sidney Duff Brown, the Englishman. Cornelius Van Cleek of Holland. And Reginald Doss, who's an Anglo-Indian. Oh. What's the matter, Mr. Queen?
11: Oh, nothing, Miss Angel. You've bumped my sore arm.
12: Oh, I am sorry. Shot? Yes. Oh, dear. Now, I'll have to be so careful not to let you get romantic, Mr. Green. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, before we go out there, when you meet Mr. Duff Brown, Mr. Van Cleek, and Mr. Dawes, could you act just a little mysterious? Hmm? Uh, just to impress them, you know, the great detective.
11: Oh, Would it make you happy, Miss Angel?
12: Oh, Very.
11: Then I'll do my best.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be such an exciting weekend. Um,
12: Shall we go out? Yes, I
11: think that'll be a good idea. It's right this way.
12: Oh, there they are. Gentlemen. Ah, oh, Miss Angel
11: again. Ah, with my guests. Uh, George, I didn't uh, know we
13: were going to have any competition.
12: Miss Porter and Mr. Queen. Mr. Reginald Doss. Well, how do you do, my pleasure. Mr. Doss? Mr. Cornelius Van Cleek. Glad to know you. And Mr. Sidney Duff Brown. How do you Mr. do, Duff Brown? I'll fix something for you people in a moment.
10: Uh, Miss okay. Porter, is it?
12: That's right, Mr. Van
2: Cleek. Mickey Porter.
10: Uh, watch Van Cleek, Miss Porter. He's a lady killer. Oh, she thinks he is. <laughs> oh, now, don't mind those things.
2: <laughs>
13: what do you do, Miss Porter. Except the beautiful, I mean.
2: I work for Mr. Queen here. Work for him. In trade?
11: By George, incredible. This is an amazing country. Well, not half so amazing as Nikki, Mr. Dice. I really don't know what I'd do without her.
2: (laughs) Working for Mr. Queen isn't really being in trade, Mr. Duff Brown.
11: No.
12: Definitely not. You see, he's Ellery Queen, the famous detective. Detect? Really? Your uh, drink, Mr. Queen. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, I'm sorry, Miss Porter. I forgot yours. What can I get you? Not a thing, thank you. But the detective, Mr. Queen, this is exciting. I quite agree with Mr. Das. Uh, Are you here
11: socially, Mr. Queen? Or are you after one of us? Why, Mr. Van Cleek, do you gentlemen have guilty consciences? (laughs) Oh,
12: dear, that's Mark. Yes, Mark.
11: Is that that fellow Queen out there? Yes. Bring him in here.
12: Mm-hmm. Is Mr.
2: Gallows in the habit of referring to all his guests as that fellow, Miss Angel? Never
11: mind, Nicky. If you gentlemen will excuse us. Well, well, back through this terrace door, Miss Angel?
12: That's right. This way, please.
2: Miss Angel, there's something very strange going on will here. Will you
12: come this way, Nicky? Please. Right in here. Oh, oh,
13: there you are. Confounded, Eve. You've got to do something about Reeves. He put my newspaper
11: on my desk without spraying it first.
12: I'll discharge him right away, Mark. Here. I'll get you a sterile. No,
11: no, don't touch it. Either. Well, so this is the famous celery queen, and my secretary, Miss Porter. How do you do? I'm afraid, Queen, we've uh, rather put uh, one over on you. Have you, Mr. Gallows?
12: Oh, it does seem such a waste, Mark. He's so attractive.
11: Then you were bait, Miss Angel. All right, Mr. Gallows. Now that you've got me here, what next? Why, Queen? Now you leave. What? That's right. He served his purpose, my girl. You'll please leave now, Queen. So...
12: This way out. Hillary, Queen, are you going to stand here? i these people? Oh, no, no,
11: Mickey. Mr. Gallows... Oh,
12: dear. He's going to be difficult.
11: There's no difficulty, Eve, that can't be smoothed out with a little money. Send me your bill, Queen, whatever your fee is. I don't charge fees. No? And what do you live on? Nuts! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know exactly what double-dealing intrigue you've whipped up here, Mr. Gallows, but certain things are fairly obvious. Uh, are they? This interests me, Queen. What's obvious? You're the owner of one of the most famous diamonds in the world. You have three house guests: Mr. Duff Brown of England, Mr. Das of India, and Mr. Van Cleek of Holland. Now, England is the spearhead of the world's diamond trade. India's maharajas are the world's greatest collectors of precious stones. Holland is the capital of the world's lapidaries. I'd say Duff Brown, Das, and Van Cleek are here to buy your diamond, Mr. Gallows. Be quiet. Yes, Mr. Queen? Why, we're suddenly all politeness. Why you scheme to have me put in an appearance here, I don't know. But... Would it interest you, Mr. Gallows, to learn that within minutes of Miss Angel's visit to my home, I was shot at with intent to kill? Your
12: arm, Mark. No
11: nonsense. We... That can't have anything to do with me. Somebody didn't want me to show up here, Mr. Gallows. You're a writer, aren't you? Yes. This is real life. Get out, Mr. Gallows. You're an idiot. Come on, Nikki. <laughs>
14: Excellent,
13: excellent brandy, Mr. Gallagher. <laughs> yes, thank
5: I'm glad you like it, gentlemen. Now, Eve. Yes, Mark. Go out there and close the door and stand in front of it. Keep those long-nosed flunkies of mine away. Do you understand?
12: Mark, you're going to go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, but I wanted to see it.
5: Eve, I said,
13: get
12: out of here. All right, Mark. Gentlemen, will you excuse me? Oh, but that's... oh, no, don't bother to get up, please. Have fun. Thank you. nice.
13: Well, gentlemen, I uh, have the very odd feeling, Mekonflair, that this is the great moment. Uh, hadn't you better have someone lock that door, sir?
5: My estate is well patrolled, F. Brown. Ah, Stedars,
12: you don't look very interested. <laughs> this is an old story with me, Mister Gallus.
10: Is ah, it? Then look at this. <gasps> For oh. 150
13: carats, Mr. Gallus.
5: 162 and three quarters, Mr. Vincliffe.
13: Larger than the porter roads from
12: Kimberley.
5: And of just as fine a water, Duff Brown.
12: May I examine this, Mr. Gallus?
5: Certainly does. Uh, certainly
12: does. does. Let me see that. Uh, one moment, Mr. Duff Brown. The
5: Gallows fireman
13: colossal. Hey, my father's wedding gift to my mother. Very sentimental man, my father. His will provided that the stone mustn't be touched for 25 years after my mother's death. Uh-huh. It's been a great trial to me, gentlemen. Very unproductive. Money gathers money Diamonds gather
12: dust yeah, it does Do you like it? Mr. Gallows It is quite the most superb imitation I have ever seen
13: Imitation? I say, Ventrick, stop pushing By George, it's not genuine This is a jest, Mr. Gallows I have come all the way from Amsterdam This
5: is an exact copy Worthless, of course. But sufficient for you gentlemen to base your bids on.
13: When may we see that genuine stone, Mr. Gallows?
5: It won't be exhibited, Van Cleek, until I get what I consider a selling bid. Confirmed by the principal for whom you're acting as agent.
10: I can't say, Mr. Gallows, I feel entirely comfortable. I've never had my integrity questioned before. Nor I. Nor
7: I.
5: I'm sorry. I have to be careful, gentlemen. You, uh, force me to show my hand. (sighs) That fellow Queen, the detective whom I had Miss Angel, uh, invite a few days ago for the weekend. Actually, she engaged him in my behalf to, uh... Check up on you gentlemen. is
13: well, sh- sh- What is your meaning?
5: Queen came here today to tell me the result of his investigation. He tells me that one of you was a fraud and an imposter. An imposter? What? Yes. An international jewel thief who's here with forged credentials. Can you blame me for being careful, then? <laughs>
11: Oh, Eve, Eve, you should have seen their faces. <laughs>
12: You're so clever, Mark. Yeah,
11: you think I'm not, huh?
5: <laughs> oh, I get a kick out of this sort of thing, Eve, outsmarting them. Hey, you don't know these fellows the way I do, Eve.
13: They're canny traders. They take their time.
12: But they won't in this
5: case, hmm? Why,
13: they'll fall all over themselves, proving they're not fakes. Each one will rush to make his bid and present me with confirming authority from his principal. <laughs> uh, things are going to hum
14: around here, darling.
13: And. I'll bet you I get
5: 20% more for the diamond.
12: <laughs> Mark. <laughs> what? Look at this. Hey,
11: did that chart scrap of paper? What is it?
12: Take it. Read it. Now what's
11: the matter with you? Wait till I spray it.
12: So you invented the story that one of them is a crook, did you? When, of course, all the time they're all honest men. I
11: don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, where'd you find this, Eve?
12: Living room fireplace. It just missed getting burned. Of course, it doesn't say much.
5: Wait a minute. This is the beginning of a letter. To me, I didn't see this.
12: Neither did I.
5: Dear, dear Mr. Gallows, we regret that our representative has been delayed, will not be able to arrive in the United States until May 15th to inspect the Gallows' Do- Eve, my lie was true. One of them is an imposter. Where's the rest of this, Eve? Talk, talk,
11: will you? The envelope, the rest of the letterhead. Who is this from? Which one does this Mark, refer to? you'll
12: have another attack.
11: One of them intercepted the mail this morning. He must have been watching for this very letter. Maybe the rest of the letter's in the fireplace. Eve, Mark, I, look, wait a
12: minute. What? I searched the ashes. This is all that was left. Get... Get Queen on the phone. But, Mark, he won't come now after... Get Queen!
3: Yes, salary?
11: Mark Gallows. Said he'd kept calling me all night, Nicky. What for? He
2: wouldn't tell me. Said he had to see you, and right away.
11: Did you tell the great Mr. Gallows that Dad and I were out all night on another case?
2: Yes. Do you want me to call him?
11: No, no, Nicky. Anything interesting in the mail this morning?
2: I haven't finished.
11: Let's see. Bill... Fan letter, special delivery.
2: Special delivery. I didn't notice it, Ellery.
11: From Mark Gallows.
2: From Gallows. Well,
11: apparently, Mr. Gallows is in a tizzy. Let's see. Dear Mr. Queen, you've got to help me. One of my guests is an impostor. What? Huh. He used me, Nicky, to scare Das, Duff Brown, and Van Cleek into thinking one of them was an imposter to force a quick sale, and then, by gosh, he found out one of them really is.
10: Oh, serves him right.
11: Expose the imposter, protect the diamond till the sale goes through, and, Mr. Queen, I'll pay you 10% of the sales price as a fee. Don't
2: you dare turn him down. I need a raise. It's
11: this way. The diamond has been buried on my Riverdale estate for years. Buried? I enclose a copy of my original map showing the hiding place. If anything should happen to me...
2: Oh, darn it. I'll take it. Hello. Nikki? Oh, (laughs) Inspector.
11: Let me talk to Ellery,
2: will you? Oh, yes, Ellery. It's for you, Inspector.
11: Dad? Yes, Dad? Your friend Mark Gallows. Gallows? Yes, what's happened? He's committed suicide. Suicide?
2: Mark
13: Gallows? Hanged himself from a rafter in his barn. Dad,
11: keep everything the way you found it. What do you mean? I'm coming right up there. For what? I tell you, Ellery committed... Dad, sight unseen. He was murdered. Nicky, come on. (laughs)
13: man, hike
11: down! Well, sir, murder. But, Ellery... I'm sorry, Dad, it's murder.
2: I don't know how you can say that, Ellery.
13: Neither do I. man found hanging from a rafter,
11: not a clue to a second person. Look at this rope he was hanged with. What about it? The rope comes from this barn, Ellery. It's filthy. It's what? He phobia. That's it, Mickey. Dad, Gallows suffered from a morbid fear of dirt. Now, there were two ropes in this barn, this dirty one here and that clean one hanging over there. Even approaching death, Gallows would have used the clean one if he was going to hang himself. Huh? Gallows was strung up, Dad, and almost certainly by one of those three diamond buyers. The imposter. Imposter? What imposter? No doubt about it, Mickey. No doubt about what? Oh, I'm afraid we're a little ahead of you on this one, Dad. Are uh, Van Cleek, Das, and Duff Brown still here? Yes. You better hold them here for a while and keep them out of my way. Why? What are you going to do? Dad, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. <laughs> nah, I give up. Are
13: you men! Yeah. One of you watch the body, the rest of you come with hey. oh,
2: me. <laughs> Ellery, what are you going to do?
11: Look, Mr. Gallows, over. Uh, turn around, Mickey. Oh.
2: What are you looking for?
11: Gallo sent me a copy of the map. Where would he keep the original? I'd say it's an even bet he carried it on him, Nikki.
2: In a secret pocket, you mean?
11: Yes. Or here. What? Leather pouch around his waist, next to the skin.
2: E- is it in there?
11: Oh, uh, no. It's empty.
2: His killer took the map. Yes. But how would the killer know?
11: About the map? Uh, Nicky, do you think you can stand a look at Gallo's face?
2: Well... It's awfully dead-looking.
11: And dirty. See here, Nicky.
2: Dirt around his mouth.
11: I think our diamond hunter tortured Gallows into telling his secret.
2: By putting dirt in his mouth. His phobia.
11: Really nasty, Nicky.
2: Why are you looking at the copy of the map, Ellery? Killer has the original. Must have dug up the diamond.
11: I know, Nicky. I know. Let's take a look anyway, shall we? <laughs>
13: Why didn't he put the blasted Bobby in a bank vault where it belongs?
11: I think this is exciting. There is something gold buggish about it, Nicky. Well, let's see. Uh huh. I think this is it. What's it? This tree, Dad. It's our starting place. Here, look at Gallo's map. Okay, so, from this tree, you go due south.
2: And then due west, and X marks the spot. Wonderful. Hmm.
13: Due south, due west. How far? just says ten on the first leg and ten on the second. Ten what?
2: Miles? Now, don't be sarcastic, Inspector. Not miles or feet or, or inches either, because then it wouldn't be far enough to cross that brook. And the south leg on the map does cross the brook.
11: Right, Nicky. Therefore, it must mean yards. Dad, let me have that compass and yardstick, will you?
13: Here. Yeah. Your sir. side.
11: Which is this way. One yard. Two. Three.
2: Hey! What, Inspector? Look at this, Nicky. A sort of trail in the grass. Ellery,
11: see this trail? I saw it, Dad. I'm right on it. Killer's been here before
2: us. Didn't I tell you, Ellery? Try it. Come on, Nicky.
13: Here, watch this, bro.
2: Oh, gosh. I'm getting all wet.
11: Very treasure. Here's the oh. trail again. And this is the end of the ten yards, Dad.
2: But the trail keeps going, Ellery, in the same direction.
13: Uh-huh. Another yard. Killer went eleven yards due south.
2: Yeah. And then he turned west.
11: Two. Three. Four and parallel with your route.
2: A-, a yard away. I don't understand. How far does the map say you've got to go west, Ellery?
11: Uh, another ten yards. Nine, ten.
13: But the killer's trail keeps going, son. To here. Cross that yardstick over. Uh, catch. Another yard exactly. Again, he went eleven yards instead of ten. Funny.
2: Wait.
11: And what is it, Dad?
2: Ellery, come here.
11: Uh, Nicky, stand on this spot—the end of the ten yards west—so we don't lose it.
2: X marks the spot. Or oh, does isn't it?
11: What, Dad? Look here. Somebody dug here, then filled up the hole.
2: He found it, son.
13: That map we've been following must be wrong.
2: Darn it. For well, sure it must be wrong. After all, he had the original.
13: Gallus must have deliberately falsified the figures on the map he sent you, Elroy. I doubt it.
11: Maybe the killer didn't find the diamond. Maybe he was wrong, and we're right. There's only one way to find out, son. Uh-huh. Well, Mickey, hand me that shovel. Um.
3: strike
13: water, Ellery. Let me know. No sign of anything yet, son.
10: Not yet, Dad. Wait. Here it is. The diamond? No.
11: Oh, a metal box. Pretty well chewed up, too. Dad, give me a hand up. Here, uh-huh, son.
2: Uh, just a rusty old box.
11: No, I think it's so eaten away it'll give without much trouble.
2: It's diamond.
11: Holy smokes, huh?
2: Is that real,
13: Ellery? It's real, Nicky. So the killer knocked off old Gallus for nothing, dug in the wrong place.
11: Yes. Well, now let's go back to the house and finish this off. And there you have our mystery for tonight. Nicky, would you please introduce our very lovely and charming guest armchair detective for our listeners?
2: Certainly, Ellery. Ladies and gentlemen, meet Miss Peggy Lee, the popular vocalist who has made Manana and her Capitol Records album, Rendezvous with Peggy Lee, both of which have set the public humming and dancing.
11: Welcome, Peggy, to the armchair. Say, you know, it's too bad that we don't have a little more time. Then we could hear you sing one of the songs from that uh, Rendezvous with Peggy Lee album.
2: Which you did in cooperation with your husband, Dave Barber.
12: Well, Ellery, right now I'm I'm too nervous to sing anything. <laughs> ne- I've never been a detective before, and this case tonight has me missing the downbeat, if you know what I mean.
11: <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid you're just jesting, Peggy. Anyway, what about our case? Tell me, have you figured out who hanged Mark Gallows?
12: Well, I couldn't say exactly, uh, I couldn't exactly name one person, but I think that Eve Angel had something to do with it because uh, she knew all about his fear of dirt, and I think that she probably was the only one who could intercept the letter that was partly burned, and uh, also that she was the only one who would know about the map, and he may have told her the wrong uh, directions. uh, Just throw her off? Yeah, I think so.
11: That's a very interesting deduction. and thank you very much, Peggy Lee. We'll find out in just a moment if your solution is correct.
7: I will not
13: be held indefinitely. I'm a subject of his majesty. <laughs> will you stop that weeping? You give me a headache. Oh, but he was so kind to
12: me. Miss Angel, if you please.
13: And what's this nonsense about murder, Inspector Queen? Yes, the man hanged himself. You said so yourself, sir. Uh, yes. I did, didn't I, Mr. Darris? You people all throw? All right.
11: Go ahead, sir. Unfortunately, Gallo's murderer made a mistake. Mr. Gallows sent me a copy of that map, and by following its directions exactly, I located the spot where he buried the Gallows diamond. Now, how did the killer miss it? Well, what were the directions? To go ten-something due south, and then ten-something due west. We assumed that the figure ten referred to yards, as they did, since by going ten yards south and then ten yards west, we did find the diamond. Then the killer did not take the figure ten to mean yards, or he'd have found the right spot, too. He took it to mean a different unit of measurement. Nicky... Exactly how far did the killer measure?
2: Eleven yards instead of ten, each way.
11: He reads the figure ten and measures off eleven yards. How can that be? Only if, in the kind of measure he was using, ten units equal eleven yards. And which unit of measurement is that? The meter. 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 That's right. Meters exceed yards in exactly the proportion of eleven to ten. But that gives us our criminal.
13: Oh, I do not see that. Mayor Cleek, you're not alone. Uh, how does
12: that give you your criminal, Mr. Queen?
11: It tells me, Mr. Das, that the killer of gallows thinks in terms not of yards, but of meters. Could that be Miss Angel? Me? No, it couldn't. Miss Angel is an American, and we use yards, not meters. So do we in Britain, Mr. Queen. That's quite true, Mr. Duff Brown. And so do the Hindus, especially one as anglicized as Mr. Reginald Das.
13: Fortunately for me, sir,
11: but almost all of continental Europe uses the metric system, including, of course, the Dutch.
13: Hillary. Stop it, please. Stop it!
11: You have the advantage of me in Herr Inspector. And there, ladies and gentlemen, you have the solution to our mystery. Thank you, Peggy Lee, for serving as our guest armchair detective this evening. As mementos of the occasion, I have for you a copy of my latest mystery anthology, The Queen's Awards, 1947, and a subscription to Ellery Queen Mystery Magazine. And here's Mr. Masterson. Panting, Mr. Q. About next week, I mean. <laughs> Suppose I give you a good reason to pant, Paul. Uh, want to meet a movie star? Are you kidding? Where? Where is she, Ellery? Uh, Nicky? Yes,
2: Ellery?
11: Mind stepping over here, Miss Porter? Me? What's the matter with you? Paul, and ladies and gentlemen, I want you to meet Mickey Porter, starlet. This is Ellery Queen saying goodnight till next week and enlisting all Americans every night and every day in the fight against bad citizenship, bigotry, and discrimination. The crimes which are weakening America.
10: All names used on this program are fictitious and do not refer to real people either living or dead. Among the members of tonight's cast were Howard Culver, Herb Butterfield, Kay Brinker, Joan Banks, Bill Boucher, Wilms Herbert, Eric Snowden, and Sidney Miller. Music was by Rex Corey, direction by Dwight Hauser. Entire production under the supervision of Ellery Queen.
15: Bromo Seltzer
9: presents The Adventures of Ellery Queen. Tonight, the makers of Bromo Seltzer bring you another thrilling adventure with Ellery Queen, the celebrated gentleman detective in person. Ellery Queen again gives you a chance to match wits with him as he relates another story of a crime he alone unraveled. Then, at the point where he was able to solve the mystery, he stops the play, gives you a chance to guess the criminal's name. In the studio tonight, we have as our guests Ken Sears, New York Yankee catcher, and Art Flynn, business editor of the weekly newspaper, Sporting News. We'd hoped to have with us, too, the star second baseman of the Yankees, Joe Gordon, but he was unable to join us. However, Messrs. Sears and Flynn have accepted Ellery Queen's challenge to solve the mystery before the solution is revealed.
5: And now, Ellery Queen, master detective... And your host for the next half hour. Thank you, Ernest Chapel, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. In tonight's story, Nikki and I quite unexpectedly become involved in the crucial game of the World Series. I call it The Adventure of the World Series Crime.
4: You all know what's happened. The Eagles won the first three games. Then the Larks came back to take the fourth and fifth games. And now the Larks are leading in the sixth game, three to two. Here's the pitch. Ball four, 4 That's a walk for Henderson. Shows the bases for the Eagles. Two out. We'll see now. Oh, here's the great Sparks himself coming to bat. Now, let's see. He'll score two runs. The Eagles will win four to three, and the World Series will be over. But if the Larks can stop Sparky again, the series will be all tied to three games apiece, and the payoff game tomorrow there it is. Strike one. On no, everybody's asking what's happened to Sparky, champion batter of the major leagues. He was an Arkansas tornado in the first three series games, hit over five hundred, won the first three games for the Eagles almost single-handed, and then he folded. Is the pitch? Strike two.
3: Strike two.
4: Sparky didn't get a hit in the fourth game or the fifth. And today, in three official tries, the great Sparks has packed up once and struck out twice with men in scoring positions. Here it is. 4-1. That's 1-2 on Sparky. You know, there's some ugly rumors around, but take it from your Uncle Ted, they're just malarkey. You know, you've heard them. But Sparky's been drugged. Sparks was sold out to the gamblers. Here it is. Strike three. Sparky didn't even lift his bat off his shoulder. He's out. Well, that's the game, folks. Ties it up to three games apiece. But what's happened to Sparks? Mr. Dayton, owner of the Eagles, wants to know. Mac McClune, fighting manager of the Eagles, wants to know. What's happened to Sparky?
16: Oh, just a minute. Mr. Dayton's private office. What? No. Say, listen, Weisenheimer, I'll give it to you in plain English. There ain't no more tickets. Oh, oh. hello, Mr. McClune.
5: The boy in, Susie.
16: Uh, yeah, he's waiting for you. Say, Mr. McClune, I want to tip you off. The boss said me and the boyfriend could see today's game from his box. and Well, you know what that means.
5: Yeah. As usual, Dayton's ducking out in a pinch.
16: Yeah, well, the rest of us still think you can lick them bombs, Mr. McClune.
5: Thanks, Susie. You want to see me, Mr. Dayton? Oh, come in, Mac. Yeah. Mac, I am leaving you in complete charge. Going away today, Mr. Dayton? I notice you have your golf clubs already. Mm, yes, I'm running up to the country club. I, I couldn't stand the strain of the final game, Mac. My um, uh, heart, you know. Yeah. Go ahead. I'll phone you the result. Well, it's not as if I were running out on you or the team, Mac. Oh, it's not, Mr. Dayton. You'll bench Sparks, of course. Thought you were leaving me in charge. But, my dear McClune, he's had half a dozen chances to win the series in the last three games. And what's he if done? If but... goes, I go. Oh, he couldn't bat a ball with a coal shovel. He bat a ball. Bat! Bat! Oh, what a fool I've been. Of course, the bat. What are you raving about, Mac? Look, Mr. Dayton, if your heart can stand the strain of making one phone call before you go out to play golf, just one, mind you, we can still win this series. A phone call? I want a detective. Pay any fee he asks, but have him here in 15 minutes. A detective? What detective, Mac? The best in the world, Mr. Dayton. If there's one man can save this World Series for us, it's Ellery Queen. <laughs> there, well, ladies and gentlemen, you have the beginning of our mystery. We'll be back in just a moment to tell you more, but first, Ernest Chapel. You know, nobody minds hard
9: work these days because we're working for victory. But what are you going to do when you're stopped by a common sick headache? Ah, Miss Edith I, of Fremont Avenue, Los Altos, California, has the answer to that. She writes,
8: I work at the Red Cross seven hours a day, five and a half days a week, and spend what time I have left practicing my music. This constant work and study is quite a strain, and sometimes I get a common sick headache and my nerves feel on edge. Well, one evening, while listening to your very entertaining Ellery Queen program, I heard your clever, educated train tell about Bromo Seltzer, and I decided to try it the next time I got a headache. Was I delighted with the quick effect of relief I got? Why, in just a short time, my head felt a lot better, and my jumpy nerves began to calm down. I told everyone at the office about it, but most of them informed me that they were already familiar with Bromo Seltzer's grand health and had been relying on it for a long time. Now, I'm never without Bromo Seltzer. I keep a bottle in my desk at the office and another at home.
9: And that's a wise idea for everybody. You know, these days, you never know when you're liable to get a common sick headache. So if you don't already have a big blue bottle of Bromo Seltzer in your home medicine chest, get one tomorrow for sure. (laughs) back to our mystery. In answer to Mac McLoone's phone call, Ellery, Nicky, the inspector, and Sergeant Beely have just arrived.
5: Hello, Mac. Uh, hello, Ellery. You know my father, Inspector Queen? The Inspector. am Mac. Sergeant Veely. Hi. And this is my secretary, Nikki Porter. Miss Porter. <laughs> when they heard you wanted me on a case, Mac, I couldn't shake them off. <laughs> there anything we can do to help the Eagles win, Mac. Thanks, Inspector Queen. We're
16: Eagle fans, all of us.
5: We need them all, Miss Porter. I got a week sorry on the Eagles, Mac. You and a flock of others, Sergeant. Where's <laughs> is uh, Mr. Dayton? In a place where he won't bother us. Uh, Ellery, if you can solve a mystery in three hours, we've still got a chance to win. If you can't, doesn't sound like Mac McClune talking. Three hours. Give me the facts. Well, Elroy, you know ball players—they're all kind of superstitious. Yeah, and, uh, remember how Babe Ruth always touched second base on his way in from right field at the end of every inning? Sparky's worse, Sergeant. Got a pet bat
17: You mean Ellery's got to find One of those nasty things That fly around at night
5: <laughs> <laughs> Mac's a baseball manager Nicky, not a zookeeper He means a baseball bat Go on oh. Mac Well Ellery With that pet bat of his Sparky's the greatest hitter In the game today Well not it. He's just a bum huh? uh, Hold it Sergeant Mac What happened to Sparky's bat and when well, The morning after The third game Sparky told me about it But it went clean Out of my head Somebody stole his bat Aha uh-huh. If Sparky gets Back his bat You think you'll snap out of a slump, Mac? Inspector, I'll eat your badge in the launch dugout if he don't.
17: (laughs) Ellery's been asked to find stolen jewels, stolen documents,
5: but a stolen baseball bat... Quiet, Nicky. Mac, was the bat stolen from the clubhouse? Uh, No, Ellery. Sparky was so nervous about it, he wouldn't leave it in the regular bat rack. He took it home with him. Where does he live? Well, Sparky got married just before the series. You mean the World
17: Series of Sparky's honeymoon?
5: Uh, Sort of, Miss Porter. So, uh, Mr. Dayton gives Sparky and Lily, that's Sparky's wife, the use of his apartment during the series. They've been living there. What are we waiting for? Let's go. Uh, Here's Dayton's apartment, Inspector. Okay, Mac. Really, you park out here in the hall and watch this front door. We don't want to be disturbed. Go ahead, Ellery. Knock.
3: Hmm.
5: Fancy layout. Oh, Inspector, you ain't leaving me out in a cold on a case like this. Lily! Yes, sir. Mac, come on in. Oh, hello, Sparky. Uh, this is Inspector Queen, his son Ellery, and Miss Porter. Howdy. I'm going to meet the missus. Lily, Hi, meet like Inspector Queen.
16: See, it's awful good of you folks to help
3: Sparky.
5: I reckon I'm priced being helped, Lily. Maybe not, Mr. Sparks. Uh, when did you first discover your bat was stolen? Well, Mr. Queen... I always put the bat in the hall closet there. The first thing I woke up a morning of the fourth game, I well, I looked in the closet, and Uncle Sam, that's my pet name for the bat, you see.
16: Sparky calls everything we own by a pet name, Mr. Queen. There's a skunk back home that bothers the chickens. Sparky calls him Hitler. <laughs> I'm beginning to like you, Sparky.
5: The bat was missing, Sparky, when you first
16: looked in the closet that morning?
5: No, Inspector. That time Uncle Sam's standing there all right. But then all that morning we have visitors, and when they go away and Lily and me get ready to mosey over to ballpark, why, I open the closet door and Uncle Sam's gone. How many visitors did you have? Oh, wasn't it three, Lily? Oh,
17: four, Sparky. Four visitors? Well, that means one of them must be the thief.
5: I reckon so, Miss Porter. Uh, I wasn't counting Mr. Dayton, Lily. He's not exactly a visitor. This apartment being his one.
16: Oh, Mr. Dayton come first. He forgot to take his golf bag with him when he gave up this apartment.
5: So he comes to pick it up. Uh, tell Mr. Queen who the other three were, Spocky. Okay, Mac. Uh, uh, first there was Pagoli. Pagoli?
16: The big-time gambler? I smell a rat.
5: And what did Mr. Pagoli want? Well, it's uh, it's sort of personal.
16: Oh, now, Sparky, you mustn't hold anything back if you want Mr. Queen to help.
5: Lily's right, Sparky. Well, Maxwell. Now, look here, you, know. Hillary. Sparky's the idol of sports fans all over the country, and he deserves to be. He sets a good example for the kids. He don't drink, don't smoke, a square shooter, but he's got one weakness that's going to get him in a heap of trouble. It already has.
17: I know. I read about it in the papers.
5: Well, that's where the Gordy fits. Gambling. Looks that way, Dad. Commissioner had you on the carpet about it, didn't he, Sparky? Mm, yeah, Inspector. But Sparky won't listen. He wastes most of his dough paying off. Oh,
16: gee, I've tried so hard to make him stop. I, I even refused to marry him until he promised to quit. <laughs> Only he he didn't quit. I reckon you'll
17: have
5: to excuse me. Lily, <laughs> be a good girl, Nicky, and keep Mrs. Spark's company in the next room.
1: All right, Ellery.
5: So you owe Paguli money, Sparky, and he came here yesterday morning to collect, hmm? When you start talking about gambling, Sparky shuts up like a clam. Guess who's outside asking to see Sparky, Hillary? Speak of the devil, Sergeant. Huh? A big shot, Pagoli. Bring him in, All right, Inspector. Step into the parlor, Mr. Fly. Be careful with your fence, you. Yeah. Oh, I beg your pardon, Mister Sparks. I come back tomorrow, eh? Well, now, now, I don't know. Might will be too late, Pagoli. Dr. Queen, i not see you at first. In an umpire's eye, you not see him. Be careful how you talk, Mr. Vili. Sergeant Vili to you, pig. My, my business with Mr. Sparks, it can wait. I you go now. Oh, wait, Mr. Pigoli. What do you want? Well, seeing how things are, maybe i better tell the truth. The truth? You told me Pagoli came to see you the other day about the money you owe him, Sparks. Oh, I didn't want to worry you, Mac. Mr. Pagoli here, take care of what you spill, Hick. He was willing to forget my I.O.U.s if... Mr. Sparks, I warn you. If what? If I threw the series, Mr. Queens. So that's it, Pagoli, you dirty backstab. Yeah, right, oh, feet, ah, sharp. And that's right, Pagoli. Oh, dropped. Now I'll you. give you a demonstration oh. of the famous you oh. oh. ah. Say, Uncle. Ah. That's better. Fireworks over? Now, Mr. Pagoli, did you have any bundles or packages with you when you visited this apartment the other day? All of a sudden, I'll mm. talk English, huh? No, he, he didn't have, Mr. Queen. You're sure, Sparky? Did he wear a topcoat? No, sir. Okay. Let him out, Bailey. Put a tail on him, though. I think we'll be seeing more of Mr. Pig. Come on, Pig. Back to your Some style. Sparky, who were the other two visitors you had? Who came after Pagoli? After Mr. Pagoli comes calling. Collins. Come Manager of the Larks? Yep, and uh, after Collins comes Buck Fisher. Uh, Fisher's the first baseman on your own team, Mac, isn't he? Yeah. Sparky beat Buck out of the batting championship by three points. Mm, Less than two hours left. Time's running out. Dad, you and Mac tackle manager Collins the Larks. Nicky and I will call on the vanquished Eagle batsman Buck Fisher. You'll find both of them at the stadium now, Ellery. Good. Let's saves us time. Dad, we check with each other at the stadium. Sparks can give us the other details on the way over. Hurry. Hurry. We've known each other since the old sand days. We don't have to spar around. Well, what's on your mind, Inspector? Collins, why did you, the manager of the opposition team, drop in to see Sparks, the star batter of Mac's team during the World Series? It's your little idea, Mac? Trying to frame me just before the start of the last game? You know me better than that, Collins. Okay. Inspector, I ran
4: up to see Sparky about our bet. What bet? $2,000, 2000 bucks, even money on a World Series winner.
5: Sparky bet his team to win, Collins? That's a hot one. You ever hear of Sparky betting mm-hmm. against himself? Sure, he bet on his team. With
4: his team taking the first three games, I thought Sparky might be willing to raise the ante. At
5: uh, big odds, of course. But no soap. Sparky said no? He was willing, Mac, But his wife said nix. Collins, were you wearing a top coat that morning? Who, Me? A top coat in this weather. Did you um, have any bundles with you? Crime no. Say, what's this all about anyway? Forget it. Come on, let's go, Mac. Uh, just a minute, Inspector. Uh, Collins. Yeah, Mac. Who you pitching today? <laughs> See tonight's paper. the door to the Eagles' locker room, Nicky.
3: Yes, and there comes an Eagle. Um, excuse me, are
5: you Buck
4: Fisher? Yeah. See you out in the field, fellas. Who are you?
17: don't you know Ellery Queen?
5: Never heard of him, lady. Hey, you're not the new sports writer for the Herald, are you? (laughs) Strike. No, Fisher, I'm a detective. Detective? What goes? A few simple questions, Mr. Fisher. Why did you pay a visit to Sparks the morning of the fourth game? Well, Sparky and I had a bet all season on who'd wind up with the best batting average. Sparky won by three points. Ten is high.
17: And I saw him do it. Made five hits in the last game of the season.
5: So what? So why'd you drop in to see Sparky that morning, Fisher? Oh, we had another bet. Who'd get the most hits in the series? Sparky hit like a house of the first three games, but I figured he'd fold. So that morning I comes up and I says, Sparky, how about doubling the bet? Did he, Fisher? He says yes, but his wife says No. So what's the matter, Sparky, cold feet? Well, Sparky says okay. Yeah,
4: then his wife starts the water work, so I beat it. But the double bet's on. Oh, there's a signal for batting practice. I gotta go out and cloud a couple. Oh,
17: uh, Mr. Fisher? Yeah? Did you wear a top coat that morning or carry any packages?
4: What?
5: No. Miss Porter, why did you ask Fisher those last two questions?
17: If you can ask him of Pagoli, Mr. Queen, I can ask him of
5: Fisher. (laughs) That's what I thought. Come on, Miss Copycat. Let's find Dad.
17: Inspector, you learned exactly as much from Collins as Ellery and I did from Buck Fisher
5: Yeah, yeah, Nicky, a great big goosey Uh, Ellery, Mm -hmm. the game will be starting in a few minutes, eh? Are we getting anywhere (laughs) as... Well, Sergeant... Ah, we haven't even got to first base. Mm Ellery, we're no nearer finding that bat than when we start. I wouldn't say that, Dad. Ellery, don't tell me you know where... Yes, I know where Sparky's bat is, Nicky. There's only a 50-50 chance it's still there. Dad, step aside with me. I'll tell you what to do. Now, you telephone.
17: Ellery and his pesky secret.
3: Yeah.
5: I wonder what's cooking. Two hours since Dad made that phone call, Nikki, and no sign of anybody. You
17: wear out the sidewalk, Ellery. Ah,
5: two hours waiting at the mm. ball player's entrance, and we could have been inside with Dad and Veely watching the game. Uh, Dad, what inning is it? Last of the night,
17: son. Uh, what's the score now, Sergeant? Still the same, Miss Porter. One to nothing, oh. favor of the large. Oh, give up, Ellery. It's too late now. You, you must have been wrong this time.
5: Nikki, I tell you, I wasn't wrong. I couldn't have been. How can I go in there and face Mac McClune without that pet bat of yours? Well,
17: you can't do the impossible, Ellery. He gave you only a few hours. What's that?
5: Nikki, this is a a, a police
17: call. What, Ellery? Hello, Ellery Green?
5: Yes. Here
4: it
3: is. The bat. Hey.
5: By the snakes of St. Patrick, it is. It's Sparky's bat. Hey, Spock! Floyd, Floyd, call Sparky back. He's on his way to the plate. we right? Right. for the police department. Hey, how's it stand? Oh, we're behind this, like the same as yesterday. One to nothing last. The nine bases fall, two out, and Sparky up. Spock! Spock's get a hit. Any hit will drive in two runs. And we
17: win. Target, we-
5: take the light out of your feet. Hey, what is it, Mac? You're, you're not benching. Me. Your bat, Sparky. Your own bat. Here. Now go on out there and use it. Uncle Sam. Don't you worry, Mac. Good old Uncle Sam won't let you down. One side, fellas. And there, ladies and gentlemen, you have the mystery and, I hope, a solution as well. Nikki, will you be good enough to introduce our guest armchair detectives for this evening?
7: Well, Ellery...
17: Our guests tonight are certainly the right men to try to solve this mystery, because both of them know just about all there is to know about baseball. And when I tell you who they are, you'll see what I mean. Our first guest is Ken Sears, catcher of the New York Yankees and son of Ziggy Sears, famous National League umpire. You can be sure that when the Yankees meet the St. Louis Cardinals for the first World Series game October 5th, More than a few eyes will be watching Ken Sears.
5: All right, Nikki. I'll agree the first guest knows baseball, but what about the second?
17: Well, our second guest isn't a ball player, but that doesn't mean he doesn't know about baseball. He's Art Flynn, business manager of the Sporting News, the bible of the baseball world. Mr. Flynn has been with the Sporting News for 16 years and has covered every World Series in that time. Mr. (coughs) Flynn says that the Sporting News has a tremendous international circulation, since so many of its old readers are now in the service, but still yelling for their copies. And, incidentally, they get them. And now, Ellery?
5: Mr. Sears, I have two questions for you this evening. Number one, where did I find Sparky's bat? And two, who stole it? Well, Mr. Queen, I believe you found that bat in Mr. Dayton's golf bag. Mr. Dayton's golf bag. And uh, how did it get there?
4: Well, I believe uh, Mr. Dayton visited Sparky's uh, uh, apartment that morning and I believe he uh, stole that bat and uh, went out to the golf course to play
5: golf and missed that last game of the World Series. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, Mr. Sears. And now, Mr. Flynn, where did I find Sparky's bat and who stole it? I think I've got to agree with uh, Ken Sears,
4: Ellery. Uh, that he found it in the golf bag, because no one c- had a top coat. And secondly, I'd say that when the that the person that put it there was Lily, the wife, because when they were talking about if he threw the series and she walked out and said no when they wanted to double his bet, it's the case of that famous French saying, Cherchez la femme.
3: <laughs>
5: Well, thank you very much, Mister Flynn and Mister Sears. You'll have to wait a moment to find out whether you've solved tonight's mystery correctly. And in the meanwhile, here's Ernest Chapel, who it develops is up on his modern slang. he
9: <laughs> means I'm hep to the jive, I suppose, and all because I happened to mention to him that when you have a headache, you just can't be on the beam. In other words, you don't feel one hundred percent. But if you're hep, that is to say, if you know your way around. The chances are that you know our bromo seltzer gives quick, effective relief from the three-way misery that may often accompany a common sick headache. Yes, bromo seltzer acts three ways. On head, nerves, and stomach. Try bromo seltzer the next time you have a common sick headache. See how quickly it has you cooking with gas. Or as we old fogies say, feeling more like your old self again.
5: that was simple, Nicky, once I knew the facts. Only four people, Dayton, Pagoli, Collins, and Fisher, visited Sparky between the last time he saw the bat in the closet and the time he saw it was gone. So obviously, one of those four stole the bat from the apartment.
17: Well, I said that long ago, Ellery, but which one? The
5: important question wasn't who took the bat, Nicky, but how. How was the bat taken out of the apartment under Spark's nose without Spark seeing it? After all, a bat is a sizable object, 36 inches long and a solid hunk of hickory. So that's why you asked about the packages and the topcoats, sir. Right, Dad. But none of the four visitors carried a package or wore a topcoat. The topcoat idea was a shot in the dark. Actually, you can't conceal a 36 inch baseball bat under a coat or inside a trouser leg, for that matter, and still walk like a human being. Yet the bat was taken from the apartment. How? There was one article taken out of that apartment that was big enough to conceal a 36-inch baseball bat. But Sparks said nothing went outside. Wrong, Dad. Sparks said one thing did go out. Remember? Dayton's golf bag. Dayton? The owner of the Eagles, the one who lent the Sparks' his apartment? That's right. Dayton came back for his golf bag, Spocky said.
17: And with the top zippered over, it'd hold a baseball bat and not be seen. No!
5: Two. Now either Dayton put the bat in his golf bag or someone else did. If Dayton were the thief, the first thing he'd do once he was out of the hotel was get rid of the bat. But if someone else put the bat into Dayton's bag and Dayton hadn't yet looked inside, the bat would still be there. So, Nikki, every told me to phone the chief of police nearest Dayton's country club. Chief rushed to the club, found Dayton's bag still unopened, and the bat inside. Well,
17: Mr. Dayton can't be the thief. And there's ball too. Then who stole the bat. Who did it? Well, who hid it in Dayton's golf bag?
5: Well, who was in the apartment when Dayton took away his bag? Not the goalie, not Collins, no Fisher. None of them had arrived yet. No. Only two people were there besides Dayton, Sparks and his wife. Did Sparky steal his own bat? Would he deliberately get rid of the one thing he needed most to win his bet? No. Couldn't be, Sparks.
17: Then it must be... You mean his own wife?
18: Mrs. Sparks stole that bat.
5: She's the only one left, so Sparky's wife must be the thief.
4: Well, I'll pray, my child. But he take care of um,
16: Mrs. Sparks. Yes, Mr. Queen.
5: Will, will you come here, please?
16: Will you want wanting me, Mr. Queen?
4: you
5: heard what I just said.
17: Mrs. Sparks. Lily, why did you do it? Oh,
16: gee, I thought if Sparky lost his pet bat, he'd lose his pet. And Collins and Fisher and Cibola and all the others. I thought that would cure him. But I... Oh, gee, I didn't realize what it would mean to Mac and... to Sparky's teammates and all the fans, like... Well, I was
17: scared, wasn't it? Dog got a
6: foul. Ellery,
17: do we have to tell Sparky? If
5: everything comes out all right, I don't see why, Nicky.
17: Oh, you're a darling. Ah,
3: it. 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 You it's
5: Sparky, it's oh, don't forget Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam came through in the clutch, and he always will. <laughs> And there, ladies and gentlemen, you have the solution to the mystery. I want to thank Mr. Sears and Mr. Flynn for appearing as guest armchair detectives this evening. We want especially to compliment Mr. Flynn on his skill in solving the crime. We have for both Mr. Sears and Mr. Flynn a personal gift from Bromo Seltzer, also an autographed copy of my latest mystery anthology, The Female of the Species, and a subscription to Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine.
9: In just a minute, Ellery will be back to tell you about next week's mystery. Meanwhile, here's a friendly tip from an old pal, our famous talking bromo seltzer train. Fight headaches three ways. Bromo seltzer, bromo seltzer, bromo
3: seltzer, bromo, seltzer, bromo seltzer.
9: Why, yes, fight headaches three ways with bromo seltzer. You see, common sick headaches may often affect you three ways, pounding head, nerves that jingle, jangle, jingle, and upset stomach. So it seems sensible to take bromo seltzer, which is scientifically designed to fight all three. Yes, bromo gives quick relief from that pain in your head. Bromo helps calm jumpy nerves. Bromo seltzer helps settle upset stomach. Now you can take bromo while it's still fizzing or after it settles down. Use it only as directed on the label. For frequent or recurring headaches, see your doctor. When it's a common sick headache that has you feeling miserable, let our talking train tell you how to lick it. <laughs>
5: Ellery, mm-hmm. come on back here a minute.
9: You got anything to say before we close up this
5: shop? Yes, yes, I have, Chappie. Yeah? Well? Ladies and gentlemen, because you had asked for them, during the summer months, we brought you what we felt were the best of the Ellery Queen mysteries broadcast during the last five years. Tonight's story marks the end of these command performances. For with next Saturday's mystery, we will again bring you brand new Ellery Queen adventures. The adventures of Ellery Queen. <laughs>
4: For all you men and women in the armed forces of the United Nations, a rebroadcast of radio's thrilling mystery drama, The Adventures of Ellery Queen. Now, here's Ernest Chappell to introduce the
9: guests and the show. Ellery Queen invites you to match wits with him as he relates another story of a crime he alone unravels. Before revealing the solution, he stops the play... Gives you a chance to solve the mystery. Our guest armchair detectives for this evening are Miss Marjorie Lawrence, Metropolitan Opera star, and Mr. Beverly Kelly of the Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey combined shows. And now, Ellery Queen, master
5: detective and your host for the next half hour. Thank you, Ernest Chapel, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, tonight we tell you the strange mystery of the ghost in the mountaintop cave. I call it... Adventure of Dead Man's
18: Cavern.
14: Hello? But, but Mr. Queen doesn't know anyone in Canoka, New York, operator. Canoka,
5: New York? Give me that phone, Nicky the excitement, Mr. Queen. Hello, Operator, Ellery Queen. Put her on, please. Put her on. Hello, Grace?
14: Ellery, how's the mastermind?
5: A uh, grand to hear your voice, darling. Darling? What are you doing at your Adirondack Lodge, Grace?
7: Dratting my soul.
5: How would you like to join me this weekend? Oh, it's a date. How about my gang, Dad Veely and my secretary? Well, sure oh, we... so
3: I'll have a lodge full anyway. Wait a minute, dear. I'll look up the train schedule. You bet, darling.
5: I'll hold on.
14: Ellery Queen, if you think I'm going to kick my heels around an Adirondack love nest while you and some shameless woman.
5: Grace? Why, oh, Nikki, she's Dr. Grace Grayson, probably the most famous living woman physicist. An old friend. Oh? How old? About 50, Nikki. Oh. Ellery? Yes? There's a 945 on Grand Central Saturday morning. I'll
3: pick you and your
14: folks up at the uh, Tanoka Station. <laughs> It'll all be fun.
5: Grace, I don't like that laugh. What have you got up your sleeve? Oh. The fact is you can help catch a murderer this weekend. I thought so. Who is he? A
7: gentleman
5: known as the Strangler. The Strangler? That sounds grim. How many people has he killed?
3: Twenty-nine
5: at last report, Mel. See you Saturday. Strangler. I could strangle you, Grace stringing me along about catching a murderer who's been dead over 100 years. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me he's the ghost of a local legend?
14: Well, I wanted to excite your curiosity, Ellery. Uh, refill Inspector Queen. Mind
5: <laughs> if I do, Dr. Grayson. I'm getting plastered on this mountain now. So you got a ghost up here, huh, Doc? Lives in a cave near this lodge, you said? Yes, called Dead Man's Cavern. Your three other guests seem mighty interested in that haunted cave, Grace. Mr. And
14: Mrs. Gabriel and Ernest Withers? Hmm? Well, I suppose I ought to warn you. Hector Gabriel and Ernest Withers are supernaturalists. Spend their lives running down goats. Oh, (laughs) shit. Going to join us on the porch, gentlemen? Oh,
3: Gabriel, you're a colorful idiot. The
5: way you were taken in by that exoplasm trick in Seattle. You would have been fooled, too, Withers. Oh, really? Remember how I exposed that crowd of fake mediums in Nashville, Gabriel? But you were ready to tell the whole world. You annoy me. Sit oh, down, boy. Oh, oh, Now that's the way you've been with those two that. for
14: twenty years, Ellery. Friendly enemies. Mr.
5: Gabriel, I'm told you have the largest, most valuable library of psychic works in the world. Yes, indeed, Mr. Green. Eh, Withers? Uh, lucky dog. You've got books I'd give my right arm for. Dr. Grayson tells us you two gentlemen are up here to investigate that haunted cave, Mr. Withers. That's right, Inspector. We're going to conduct a scientific experiment. Now,
14: see here, Hector Gabriel, I'll let you and Withers turn my lodge into a psychic laboratory, but don't drag the respectable name of science into it. Are there actually psychic manifestations, Grace? Oh, Lord, some lug in 1840 began strangling people in that cave, and ever since then, they've... What's that?
18: Sounds like a wolf or something. Shh. Listen. wait That's the moan.
5: Gabriel, the ghost sound. Now someone's screaming. That's no ghost. Sounds like my wife. I told her, Miss Porter, took a walk in the woods. and Here they
4: come, running.
3: Wife,
5: Mrs. Gabriel.
3: Hold it, dear. Hold Oh, there, 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 there. What happened? We were walking in the
14: woods, Inspector, when that, that ghastly moaning started from the direction of that cave. Mrs. Gabriel got frightened. Had to please. Don't you and Mr. Withers go near that cave, it's haunted.
5: Why, hold of us. What Withers and I came here for. Yes, Mrs. Gabriel, if those moans were made by a ghost, it's our duty to psychic science. And... Now
14: see here, those sounds are a natural phenomenon, nothing ghostly about them. Then, then what made that noise, Dr. Grayson? My dear child, the cavern probably has a peculiar rock structure which causes it to catch the wind at the top of the mountain and then expel it with a moaning sonic effect. There it is again.
5: It sounds funny, Ellery. Right? What do you think? I think, Dad, we'd better have a look at Dead Man's Cavern.
18: Grace,
14: must
5: we go through these woods to get to the cave?
14: Yes, Ellery. No way of going around it. She'll on either side.
5: I wonder why the moan stopped with us. Exasperating, Gabriel. Hold it, everybody someone coming. Sounds like a big, heavy man. Wasn't the
18: Strangler supposed to be big and heavy? Oh,
5: nonsense, Sergeant. It must be Hank Pete.
18: Oh, I was right. Hi, Hank. Hi, Professor. You hear them moans from Dead Man's Cavern, too?
14: Yes, we're going to the cavern now. Hank, these are friends of mine. How did
18: you know? How do we nice. do? would right, really get moving. is uh, getting pretty restless lately. Huh? Say, Daniel Boone, you don't believe in this ghost bunk, too. Man gets to believe in a lot of things, mister. Living alone up here in the hills. Just what is the story of this strangler, Mr. Gabriel? Well, some mountaineer, Mr. Queen, over... Uh, Uh, Let me tell
5: him, Gabriel. He lured wayfarers into the cave, you see, and strangled them for their money. Nice
18: fellow. What did he do with his victims' bodies? There's a natural opening in the rear wall of the cave. Like a window.
14: It overlooks a lake, Inspector. The same lake that's behind my lodge.
18: The strangler threw his victims out of that cave window into the lake fifty feet below. Never since them folks he strangled keep a moaning like you all heard. Oh, of
14: all the succotash hanged, the brute was finally caught and hanged.
18: It's the ghost of the strangler. Murdered one of his victims all over again. Well, here we are. Right at the top of my mountain. Why, oh, there's a clearing here between
5: where the woods stop and the entrance to the cave. Hey, ain't that a wooden door covering the entrance to the cave? <laughs> yes, Sergeant.
18: Let's cross the clearing. There's really. Oh, how come a door,
5: Grace? I think Pete knows
14: more about it than I do.
18: Some city fellow a few years back put the door in. Charged admission to see the haunted cave. Was his name P.T. Barnum? One night he was in here alone. And the moon started. He lit out like a buck deer, and he ain't been seen since. Good stout door. Let's go in.
5: I uh, I think I'll stick blind here by the entrance,
14: <laughs> Sergeant. You'd never make a physicist.
5: <laughs> or a psychic researcher either. Uh, interesting cavern, eh, Mister Queen? Yes, Mister Gabriel. From what I can see of it in this gloom, solid uh, rock. Roof. The roof is
14: really the inside of the very crest of the mountain, Inspector. There's the window in the
5: rear wall. Yes, this opening looks right out over the lake. she sheer drop of 50 feet. What kind of experiment are you gentlemen intending to conduct here, Mr. Withers? Well, Gabriel and I plan to spend an entire 24 hours in this cave, Inspector Queen, from 6 tomorrow morning until 6 a.m. the following day. We'll take food, water, blankets, oil lamps, and a sound recording apparatus. We want to be in here when the morning begins. Very
14: scientific,
5: you see? Go ahead, jeer, you female philistine. me. That's why i coming in. Well, I, I, I got lonesome out there. Say, supposing you meet up with this ghost, don't you gents think you better pack a rod just in case?
18: If what's making them sounds could be shot, he'd be a dead ghost long ago. We're taking every precaution against the possibility that the moans are caused by a human agency.
5: We pick tomorrow for our vigil because the weather forecast for tonight is heavy rain. And the rain will soak down the loose earth of the clearing in front of the cave. Yes, yeah, yet it's so soft that anyone approaching the cave will have to leave footprints in the mud. Well, uh, let's go back. eh? Okay. But, but you gentlemen will leave footprints when you cross the muddy clearing tomorrow morning. We'll cross it barefoot to identify our own prints.
18: It appears to me like you two fellows aim to tinker with trouble. My
5: dear Pete's ghosts don't scare us. Uh, Gabriel, you have that new lock we brought out? Uh, yes, with us. Ah... There. And the key remains in my pocket. Well, that's all until tomorrow morning at six. If you want to see us off, you'll have to be up early. (laughs) We'll be up early, Mr. Gabriel.
14: I'm sleepy, Ellery. Mrs. Gabriel and I had a double up last night, and she moaned all night long. Are the others following us?
5: Mm-hmm. All except Hector Gabriel. I wonder where Gabriel is. He bunked with me last night, but when I woke up this morning, he was already gone.
14: He must be waiting for us at the cave. Oh, look, Ellery. Is that the old woodsman, Dr. Grayson mentioned last night?
5: Hank Pete. Oh, yes. Morning,
14: Hank.
18: Uh, up early to see Mr. Gabriel and Mr. Withers start there watching the cave. Mr. Grayson i just been over to the clearing at the edge of the woods. Somebody's in that cave. Well, I cave door's open.
14: What's that, Hank? Cave door open? Why,
5: it
18: can't be. Gabriel and I put a new lock on it yesterday, and he has the only key. Come see for yourselves. It mm. must be your husband, Mrs. Gabriel.
14: Well, I don't understand it, Sergeant. But weren't Mr. Gabriel and Mr. Withers to go into the cave together?
5: Yes, we were. Keep your shut down, Mr. Withers. Take a look. The prints of a small man's bare feet.
14: And they go perfectly straight across the mud of the clearing to the cave door.
5: Just one city, prince. Ingoing. Why, he's tickling. his word of honor. We'd go in together. His word of honor. I'm sure Hector wouldn't do anything dishonorable, Mr. Withers. Well, these are his footprints, aren't they? There couldn't be anyone else's here. They're so small.
14: Cheat. Mr. Withers, you're a dreadful man. Oh, it's probably a joke.
3: Hector Gabriel! Mr. Gabriel! Hi, Mr. Gabriel. Why don't
5: you answer? Something's wrong, Dad. I'm crossing this clearing alone. On mm-hmm. the to tour to keep out of the way of Gabriel's footprints. You have to follow me. To tour, two. Hi, son.
18: Dad, Dad. Billy,
14: come here,
5: Henry. Come on, Billy. I'm coming. Something wrong, son? What is it, Maestro? Look, Gabriel on the cave floor with all the supplies around him. Dead. Dead about an hour, I'd say. Since 5 a.m. Basically contorted by a horrible fear. And no wonder. Look at his neck. He's been strangled. Well, son, I don't get it. Even these marks of strangulation are queer. You mean the upward-pointing thumb impressions at the back of Gabriel's neck? Yes. Why weren't the thumbprints in his windpipe? Oh, was that? It's Grace Grayson, Sergeant. You and Hank Peef didn't mess up Gabriel's footprints and cross in the clearing, did you? No, Ellery.
14: We detoured, too. Poor Gabriel. I can't believe it yet. Hank,
18: look at him. The ghost of the stranger I told you... Will you stop jabbering
5: about ghosts, Daniel Boone? You're scared. uh, (laughs)
14: Stop it, Hank! Um, what are we going to do? Poor Holder's in a state of collapse. Nikki's trying frantically to calm her down, and that man with us hasn't uttered a word since this happened. Who did it?
5: Come outside. I want to show you something. How do you get done? Done. <laughs> the only way Gabriel's murderer could have got into the cave was the way Gabriel got in. By crossing this muddy clearing. Well? Well, where are the killer's footprints? You didn't see no prints in this mud when we got here this morning, except the ones at Gabriel's bare feet, did you? I see.
14: Obviously, the strangler entered the cave some other way. How,
5: Grace. The only other opening into the cave is that natural window in the rear wall, which overlooks the lake. That opening is 50 feet above the lake at the top of a sheer cliff. The roof of the cave. Not a rope down. We've been up there. It's covered with smooth
14: mud. And no human
13: foot ever stepped on it.
14: And at the sides of the cave, it's sheer precipice, too. Oh, well, of course. The killer came here during the rain, which wiped out his prints. Lay in wait for Gabriel, who came when the rain had stopped. What happened to
5: the French the killer made leaving? That's not the important point, Dad. The killer couldn't have got into the cave before Gabriel, Grace. The door was locked with a new lock, and only Gabriel had the key, which is still on his person.
14: Then the killer used a grappling iron at the end of a strong line.
5: You mean throw a line up from the lake, Grace?
14: Yes. Someone stood in a boat on the lake below and threw up a grappling iron, which caught the window. Yes, again, Dr.
18: Grayson. An iron would have left scratch marks on the sale of the rocky opening. And there ain't no scratch marks. Then how do you explain it? You're wasting your time. Ghosts don't need grappling irons. And they don't leave footprints. Yes, Grace. Remarkable
5: as it seems, it looks as if Hank Pete is right. In the setup, Hector Gabriel could only have been strangled by a ghost. <laughs>
14: Hold this, stop. You've been crying a whole day and night. But but they took Hector away, Nikki. Why don't they let me go?
3: I don't want to stay here. What's the inspector
5: up to? He keeps telephoning.
14: What's going on, <laughs> Hillary?
5: Uh, Oh, I don't know, Grace. I'm still grappling with the problem of the strangler ghost. Wait. Oh, yeah.
14: The moon's from the cave again. Oh, don't be silly, Nikki. It's the will. The will, it. It's the ghost. The ghost who strangled Hector. They can't keep a all here to be murdered. I'm going.
5: Where are you going, Mrs. Gabriel? Oh, Dad. Really shut that door and set you back against me.
18: Right, Inspector. Ghosts,
14: huh? Mrs. Gabriel, did I hear you say you were going somewhere? Yes, Inspector. Home. And you can't stop me.
13: Mrs. Gabriel, I've done a lot of investigating my phone in the past 24 hours. One of the things I've discovered is that your husband was a rich man.
14: Hector, yes, I... I suppose so,
5: but... What I... is it, Dad? I've Gabriel's will check, Hillary. He leaves nearly his entire estate worth a couple of million dollars to his wife, Holder you mean? You mean you think I killed Hector? Your husband was almost 20 years older than you, Mrs. Gabriel. Oh. Yes, quite possible. Well, you're crazy. Next thing we know, you'll be accusing me of strangling Gabriel. Exactly what I had in mind, Mr. Withers. Wait, what what do you mean, Inspector? Uh, you and Gabriel were right at each other's throats for over 20 years, Withers. Enemies. Why, we we were friendly enemies. Also, we owned something you wanted bad, Mr. Withers. Gabriel's library. The most valuable collection of books on psychic phenomena in the world. Right, son. One of the things I've found out in the past 24 hours is that Gabriel was a psychic library to Ernest Withers.
14: But that's so absurd, Inspector, to kill a man for possession of some books. You think so, Dr. Grayson? Maybe you'll agree that your motive was stronger. My motive? To kill Hector Gabriel?
5: Dad, Grace involved with Gabriel. He was his first wife.
14: Gabriel's first wife? Did you know that, Ellery?
5: No, I didn't, Nicky. Grace. Surely you're joking, Inspector. depends on in your sense of humor, Dr. Grayson. Fact is, Hector Gabriel ditched you to marry elder, And you know what they say about a woman's scorn.
14: So you think I killed Hector out of revenge for having thrown me over? I can see your point, Inspector. Only I didn't, It's not any one of us. It was the ghost, I tell you. The ghost!
13: Ah, that ghost story is a lot of camouflage.
14: Yes. One of you three
13: strangled Gabriel in that cave. Only question is...
14: Which one? No. Who would that be? Give See, See what it is. Oh, no. Know. No, no. Please don't open it. Oh, it's just old Hank, the woodsman.
18: How do you want, Pete? wanted you'd want to know. We'd want to know what, Hank? Right at the edge of the woods where you enter the trail from here, just a couple of yards from the lodge. There's a lot of loose stones. Them stones were slippery from the rain. Well, Eh? Alongside them slippery stones is a couple of small juniper bushes. They've been smashed flat. I figure it's how this fellow Gabriel slipped on them stones on his way to the cave yesterday morning. And fell under them junipers. Her.
5: Answer how bad it is. It certainly
18: is, Sergeant. In fact, it clears up the mystery. What do you mean, sir?
5: I mean, Dad, that now I know the identity of the ghost of Dead Man's Cavern. Ladies and gentlemen, you have the mystery of Dead Man's Cavern. Have you an answer to it? Well, suppose you compare solutions with our guest armchair detective. Nikki. will you please introduce our guest?
14: Well, Elvary, our first guest tonight is Miss Marjorie Lawrence, famous Metropolitan Soprano. Stricken with infantile paralysis a couple of years ago, Miss Lawrence has fought against this dread affliction courageously and successfully, as evidenced by her recent triumph in the role of a soldier at the Met. Our second (coughs) guest tonight is Mr. Beverly Kelly of the Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Combined Shows, or, as all America calls it, The Circus, now playing at Madison
8: Square Garden. Mr. Qu- Kelly has described the big top to millions over the radio and is well-known author of books and stories on circus life. All right, Ellie.
5: Thanks, Mister. Miss Lawrence, who strangled Gabriel?
8: Well,
14: I don't think anyone strangled him. I think that... Uh... He slipped and fell on those stones under the juniper bushes. Yes. I think the uh, moaning sound came from uh, natural means somehow. The wind through the rocks or something. Yes. So that's what I would say.
5: Thank you, Miss Lauren. And now, Mr. Kelly, who do you think strangled
18: Gabriel? Well, Ellery, if those footprints outside the cave weren't so small, I think we could blame it on Gargantua. (laughs) But uh, I think I'm going to put my money on
5: Gabriel's first wife and say that he fell from grace (laughs) Thank you, Mr. Kelly Well, how about it, gang? Think you've got the answer? The guests have had their say And Ellery Queen will tell you the solution in just a few moments So to give you a little time to talk it over and make your guesses Here's music by Frank Duval and his orchestra Soliloquy Quiet on the mean? Run. All uh, right, uh, Now, first, let's slay the ghost. No ghost killed Hector Gabriel. The strangler's hands were human hands. They left human fingerprints deep in the flesh of Gabriel's neck and throat. Well, sure. That's right. Then those moans we heard must have been made by the wind through the cave like Dr. Grayson said. Right, Sergeant. Now, since the strangler had human hands, he also had human feet. And human feet leave prints in mud. The only footprints in the mud were Gabriel's. One set, in going. I know. Gabriel choked in the woods and then
14: staggered across the clearing alone to the cave to die.
5: Nikki, you yourself pointed out that the trail left by Gabriel's feet across the mud was perfectly straight. Men dying of strangulation don't walk in a straight line. No. When Gabriel crossed that clearing, unlocked the door, and entered the cave, he was perfectly well. So the murder was committed in the cave. And for the murderer to have choked Gabriel in the cave, he had to get there. Problem. How did the killer cross that muddy clearing without leaving footprints? And the more you think about it, the more obvious the answer gets. Oh, what do you mean? He crossed it on Gabriel's back. Gabriel, Gabriel carried him. Jerry! I I know, Dad. Other theories are possible, but my theory can be backed up. What was the exact position of the strangler's thumbs on Gabriel's neck? The thumb marks pointed upwards in the back of Gabriel's neck. Which is possible only if at the time he committed his crime, the strangler was behind Gabriel. Strong confirmation that the strangler rode across that mud on Gabriel's back. And when Gabriel entered the cave, the person he was carrying began to choke him before even getting down. Oh, but Maestro, how'd the killer make Gabriel carry him? Important question, Sergeant. Grown men don't play piggyback at five o'clock of an Adirondack morning. One person carrying another suggests that the person being carried had to be carried. An injury? Yes, Dad. Hank beat just told us he'd found a place in the trail where someone had slipped on loose, wet stones and fallen into some juniper bushes. Hank opined it was Gabriel because he thought Gabriel was alone. But since we know Gabriel carried someone, isn't it evident that it wasn't Gabriel who slipped and fell, but his companion? a faked a tumble, pretended to twist his ankle or something, said he couldn't walk. Gabriel lugged him all the way through the woods to the cave. Exactly. And why? Deliberately to leave only one set of footprints in that mud, Gabriel's. To make us believe that the murder had been the work of a convenient strangler ghost of a haunted cave.
14: All right, all right. You've accounted for how the Strangler got into the cave without leaving Prince.
5: Yeah, but how did he get out, Maestro, without leaving him after Gabriel was dead? In the only way possible, through that natural window in the cave wall.
3: Wow. Yes,
5: for while no one could have got into the cave through the opening in the cave wall, someone could have got out simply by diving out into the lake below. But well, who did all this huh? Dad, where did Hank say he found the crush bushes? At the edge of the woods as you went to the train leaving Dr. Grayson's lodge. Yes. Yes. In fact, Hank said it was only a few yards from the lodge. But observe. The killer pretends to injure himself a few yards from the lodge. Yet Gabriel carries him all the way through the woods to the cave. Why? Why didn't Gabriel carry, him back a few yards to the house? Wouldn't he have done that if, say, his companion had been his wife or Dr. Grayson, or, in fact, anyone except one person? One person? There can be only one reason why Gabriel carried his companion all the way to the cave. And that was because he and the killer were bound for the cave. Because he and the killer were supposed to share the cave for the next 24 hours. Well, I'll forget. Gabriel's companion, the man who got his victim up an hour earlier than planned on some trumped-up excuse, who wanted to kill Gabriel because he hated him for over 20 years, and because Gabriel had willed him his unique and valuable psychic library, that man could only have been Ernest Withers.
4: And there you have the solution to the mystery. How did you G.I. detectives do? Did you have the right answer? Well, we have a few minutes remaining, so here's more music by Frank Duval and his orchestra.
3: Dancing in the dark.
15: Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 2.49 dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon.